You are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I'm Edward Looney. Today on DNA Discoveries, I'm bringing you an extra episode during the month of August, and it's because I received an email uh, that asked me or invited me to watch a documentary. And the documentary was sent to me. I'm not sure why. I thought, one, maybe because I do a lot of movie reviews and I do interviews and whatnot and release them on YouTube. Or I thought maybe they're reaching out to me because of my involvement as the host of DNA Discoveries. I went with the latter, and so I wrote back to the PR company and said, I would be delighted to preview this film. And essentially what happens is they send you a pre-screener link. It's password protected. You log in, you watch it, and then you'll write your review or do whatever it is that you'll do in order to help share about the project. So I wrote back, said, yes, I will, and then I watched it. The documentary is called Filling in the Blanks. I thought it was a great documentary in terms of the autosomal DNA test kits, the story of finding family, kind of the different emotions that John faced in this process and everything like that. And so I wrote back and I said, well, I would be happy to interview anyone for my podcast, DNA Discoveries. And so that PR company was able to make it happen And now you get to hear John Bain, the subject and the producer of Filling in the Blanks, share a little bit of his story with me today on DNA Discoveries. I'm very excited to be speaking with John Bain today about a new documentary that's out there on platforms right now. It's called Filling in the Blanks, and it's about his journey, learning uh, about his history through Ancestry DNA or 23andMe, one of the autosomal DNA test kits. Uh, I had a chance to watch it and very uh, excited, looking forward to this conversation. So thanks so much, John, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Tell me a little bit about the documentary itself. Um, I'm just curious about this because obviously you're the producer, the director of the documentary. You're the main feature person of it. So there has to be a moment where you a decide that you want to uh, you want to have a documentary about this. And then, you know, to make that decision to say, I'm going to do the test, I'm going to document everything about it. So I was just curious about the filmmaking process itself. Um, Well, the filmmaking process is very uh, innate to me because I have worked in um, nonfiction storytelling since uh, college. And now I'm 59. So it's it's been I've got quite a, a, a road behind me and hopefully some ahead of me. Um, the, uh, I have done, uh, worked with, uh, CNN. I've worked, uh, with the National Science Foundation in the U.S. I've worked on, uh, some travel programs. So my background is nonfiction storytelling, uh, through a visual medium, whether it's TV or, or web or whatnot, or now through film. So it seemed like a very natural fit for me to tell a story. I've been telling other people's stories for years and years. And then one day after, getting the results back from a DNA test, I suddenly realized I had a story of my own to tell. Yeah, and that's right. And it's interesting to me too, because your story essentially kind of the cliff note version is you found out that you were a donor baby and that there were other 
donor children as well. And so you will have all of these half brothers and sisters and whatnot uh, from uh, the donor conception. That was kind of a surprise to you. Your father didn't uh, want you really to do the DNA test, probably because he knew what was going to be discovered. And so this is an interesting documentary because there are other documentaries uh, in this genre kind of about this. Yours, uh, I think, really gets to the heart of kind of the relationships between family, because here you are, you discover that your brother is no longer genetically or your brother's biologically, half-brother's genetically. That was the line. And so did yeah. you notice in that process of this discovery any change in your relationship with your brother, for example? Well, um, yeah, actually, I'd say, you know, it's going to bring you closer together. It did. It brought me and both my brothers. I got two older brothers. Both of them, I'd say, it brought closer together. You know, I, we always sort of felt there was something missing um, I hear it over and over again with all uh, people who go through the NPE experience that they a lot of people feel like there's something missing. They can't quite figure it out. So my brothers and I had that in common. And, you know, uh, over a toast of wine, we kind of toasted and said mystery solved. Sure. And then, you know, again, it's capturing these relationships. So the next relationship we could explore is with your biological uh, mother, with your father that raised you. Um, your film captured a bit of the anger and kind of emotions that you had about this whole situation, because really what happened is you had been lied to for so long. And uh did you notice it impacting that familial relationship then? Did you approach your father differently now because of this or your mother even? Your mother, though, she um, had, you know, memory problems and such. And so uh, you really couldn't get a firm resolution or answer from her. So how did that change your approach or relationship with them? Well, to start, first, I didn't really want to see them. <laughs> For the first couple of weeks after I found out, uh, you know, um, I'm thinking, who are these people? You know, this isn't something you keep from your children, but obviously it, it was. And when I finally did see my dad about a month, my mom and dad, about a month after I found out, uh, you know, for my mom, it wasn't that different because she, you know, she had the, the serious dementia. She had Alzheimer's. So it, what, what's what's going to change? I mean, she was, you know, 10% there anyway. So that's nothing. Now, for the dad that raised me, for my dad, it was very interesting because the first night him and I went out to dinner and I explored this a little bit in the film, I actually took a picture of him that night knowing full well I was going to make a movie and talk about this moment. And I did not look at him the same. I had to put on a little bit of an acting job because, you know, I was pissed off. You know, his secret was out. And I looked at him and said, who does this guy think he is? Um, that's inside my head. Outside, I was, you know, everything's fine. Da, 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 da. You know, I had to think carefully. Um, did I want to spill the beans to this man or not? Did I want to tell him, hey, I know. I know what you've been keeping from me. Did I want to say that? Um he was 93 years old at the time. So I thought to myself, what's the point? What's the point after 93? At that point, maybe he had 18 months, uh, 20 months left to live. What's the point? Um, I figured just let it go at this point. It, it would have been too painful for him. I really think it would have just broken his heart if I said, hey, the gig is up. And I think you did also in the documentary kind of this section 
where you basically kind of explored, you know, what are the reasons why I was donor conceived? Was it because of struggles with infertility or, you know, so you kind of um, did a little expose kind of looking at it from their perspective. And really, you know, I think for, for people in that situation it might be embarrassing to them. And so they, uh, you, you know, I think you did a real good job kind of uncovering that and, and bringing that forward too, and not, you know, not neglecting their perspective, but bringing that for our consideration too. Yeah. I mean, I, I once you realize, well, hey, this isn't just about me. But once you realize this is also about them and a decision that they made long before I existed, long before my two older brothers existed. And once you come to peace with that, you realize, hey, they must have gone through something, too. And not only did they go through something, but because they decided to keep it a secret, it was something that they kind of kept underneath. It was always there. So even though they thought it was behind them, hey, we're not going to really talk about it anymore. It's done. We have our kids. We'll go on. It still nibbled at them and had to gnaw at them. Otherwise, my dad, when I said to him I wanted to take a DNA test just uh, out of dinner conversation, you know, after I had said it two or three times and he just sort of sat there and stared, he finally said to me, don't you take that test until after I'm dead, which I mm. thought was like a really bad joke. But clearly, no, it wasn't um, at the time. I was like, what's wrong with you? And I, for some reason, I had it in my head, don't ever bring it up to him after I got the results, after I decided to take the test, after that conversation, just don't bring it up. There was a little voice inside my head that said, don't, don't ever talk to him about it again. There's something there he doesn't want to deal with. So you do the autosomal test, you get the results, they start trickling in, people start contacting you, and then you actually end up meeting some of these siblings of yours you end up meeting the biological father as well. So um, tell us a little bit about that experience. Was there great joy uh, in meeting your your siblings? Do you share a lot now uh, in terms of conversation? I, I'm sure like a lot of times you hear people have these text groups or whatever, you know, on WhatsApp or whatever, uh, where they just have this ongoing communication. So what was it like uh, for that, for reaching out to them and that ongoing communication now? Well, first, reaching out for them, uh, there was a, a sense of guilt. <laughs> uh, at least I started with my uh, donor siblings, and I met them in New Jersey over uh, the summer of 2019. This was before COVID. Uh, and I, I did feel a little guilty. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I was actually in New Jersey. That's not where I live, but this is where most of my donor family lives. And I was there with my dad. He actually left he was just there to kind of work on the summer home they had and then left. And he's like, oh, what are you doing for the next few days? Oh, I'm visiting some friends of mine from college, which is true. But I just sort of left out the other details. Um, and interestingly enough, that first night that I met with those donor siblings, uh, the, the first thing that went through my head is, do they look like me? You know, do they what do they think? All right. I was like, how many of you are left-handed like me? You know, anybody here with dyslexia? You know, you start you start you start to to check each other out you know they're checking me out i'm checking them out uh somebody walks through the door and you know exactly what table he's coming to because he looks like he belongs at this table you know i mean you'd see that happen um of course during that dinner conversation my dad did try to reach me uh on the phone and uh, i just um sent the call away but again it was just sort of a reminder that you know it's it, it's it's close by you have to be you have to navigate it carefully 
Um, and the question I had asked myself was, do we tell him? You know, do we let him know we know this? And and obviously I let him take it to the grave, but you know, you had to navigate that very carefully. And as far as the relationship now goes, it's funny you're asking me about this because as we're recording this, two days from now, um, we're having our annual donor sibling reunion here in New Jersey. I'm back up here in New Jersey. Uh, my actual home is in Georgia, but um, so yeah, we do keep in touch and every year we get together and we just sort of touch base and people ask me, what's it like? What's it like having these these donor siblings? And I say, it's like being in book club, but without the books. Now, when it comes to the donor father, uh, you went and you met him as well. And um, I, I I don't seem to remember, like, does his wife, like, what's his wife's perception uh, of all of, of the reality that he has all this, all these other children? Um, he was married. Uh, he's on his third marriage, but the marriage that he's on now, uh, he's been probably with the longest. Um, she doesn't have uh, a lot of family, his current wife. So she's incredibly supportive of him meeting these donor kids. Uh, I can't speak to his other two wives. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably not great because he doesn't really talk about them and I don't really ask. But as far as his current wife, whose name is Margie, um, she's great. She's great with it. She thinks it's great to have all these uh, new kind of 21st century family type members. And um, it's very nice. And when I visit Hash, um, it's sort of like going to visit the head of the book club, I guess. <laughs> now, you made the documentary, and it basically follows your story from taking the test to meeting the family members. And, you know, we follow you along that whole process. So have they seen the documentary? So did you have like a screening with all of them? Uh, and how did they react uh, to the documentary itself? Well, the family members, my donor siblings, reacted to the documentary very uh, favorably. Um, I did show them a cut. Uh, you know, if I'm going to use their image and use their their sound, I, I want to make sure that everybody's okay. Everybody who was in it saw it, so they knew um, that I wasn't going to embarrass them, misrepresent them, or get something wrong. I wanted to be, you know, as accurate and as fair as possible. But the um, overall consensus is everybody's really, really happy with it. You know, our our thing is, well, you know, will, will other people really care? I mean, it's a great movie for us. But and I, I think that it will resonate with other people. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, will it resonate with 100 percent of the people? What movie does? You know, mm -hmm. but um, I, I think it will resonate with a lot of people. And and I just think it's a good story. You know, one one of the things about these donor conception stories is a lot of them are kind of dark, at least the movies I've seen in this genre. Um, I kind of wanted to make a happier movie. Um, I didn't want people to to feel kind of like they needed to take a shower afterwards. Uh, some of these movies can be very dark. And I'm not putting down the experience that some of these people have had in these documentaries. They're awful. I mean, it's, it's some people have gone through hell. Um, and it's understandable. But I wanted to show that it's, it's not always hell. And yeah. I also wanted to give those people who who did go through a bad experience that there is some light in these stories. Uh, you may not know it, especially when you first find it out, um, but there is some light in, in these stories. You can always find some silver lining. 
I really appreciate that perspective. And because there have been some on Netflix that I pull up and I'm like, I just can't get beyond the first 25 minutes of this. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not watching the whole thing. I thought maybe I would try to do something for the podcast with it, but it was just like, nope. But yours was one that I'm like, oh, this is, you know, like you said, it's a happier story. You have a very upbeat personality. It it was great following along and just seeing the discovery unfold and uh, kind of being there right with you uh, in that journey. So uh, people are going to watch this and uh, some people are going to take the Ancestry DNA or the 23andMe, the autosomal test kit. Like, what message do you give to them if they find something about their family history that wasn't known to them? Like, uh, what encouragement would you give to someone in their search? Uh, I, I would say there's always something to learn, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, yes, you may find out that there's been some deception in your life, but then you get to find out the truth and you feel that you have your own truth. And that's really important. Um, You know, yes, it comes as a shock. And some people it takes five minutes to get over, although I haven't met too many of those. And some people, especially if the relationship between the parents has always been strained on some level, it takes a lot longer. Um, But my message is always, always have a little hope. you know, a lot of people find that the donor father wants nothing to do with them. Both my brothers, the donor father wants absolutely nothing to do with them. Um, but there might always be a sibling that you have or a half sibling in this case. Um, and that person might, uh, you know, will give you that support. In other words, you find somebody, listen, I, I have no full genetic siblings at all. Mm. Uh, you know, you take my brothers and the donors and all the kids my donor father had for marriage and one of 17, which in some cases is pretty low. I mean, some people find out, you know, they have 100. But you always will find people who can share the experience with you. And that way you have somebody to lean on. And even though you may not know it at the beginning, odds are pretty good that you will form a good relationship a healthy relationship, and you can kind of walk through the journey together, no matter how difficult or how happy the uh, uh, experience is, you'll be able to walk through it with somebody. And I think that's really important. You mentioned that this journey really began before COVID when you met the relatives, the donor siblings that you have back in 2019. Now it's 2023. There's lots of years of life left ahead. So what do you hope that brings uh, for you and for them? Um, you know, just you want you happiness. I think it, you just want to bring happiness uh, in your life. Um, and I think, you know, having that extra sense of identity that at least I always felt missing was at least that I always felt was missing. Um, having that is 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 very important. So I, I think happiness um, and, and hope. And, you know, uh, we share a little bit of each other's lives as we uh, continue down the journey, you know, and that's nice to have uh, a group of people who have something in common with you that almost nobody else in your life does. Filling in the blanks is the documentary that you have created, John. How can people start streaming this and watching it? Uh, the video is on most on demand on if you have cable. If you don't have cable and you do streaming, you can catch it on Apple TV, uh, Amazon Prime, um, YouTube, Vimeo, 
um, and Voodoo, as well as uh, as a Microsoft uh, gaming software. Uh, you can tell my age because I don't. <laughs> but if there are people out there who use that, then um, they they can they can find it there too. So it's it's readily available uh, for home viewing. Uh, Distribution is large. Distribution, yeah, United States, Canada, I think Mexico too. I, I have to check with my distribution company, but yeah, in North America, we're we're pretty much out there. Well, I think this is a movie that the DNA Discoveries audience will be very interested in because some people have been donor conceived, and I, I just want to maybe mention this person's name. But there's a, a lady who wrote a book, and I'm not going to remember the title of it, but her name is Krista Bilton, I think. And so uh, I'd recommend her book to you if you haven't uh, read it already yourself. It's available on Audible. I listen to the audio version. But it's her story of basically finding out that she had, it's called Normal Family. And basically, that's a pun because she has 30 or 60 other siblings or whatever through donor conceptions. So, um, but kind of a, a book that's uh, in the similar vein as your documentary. So uh, I'm sure this will be of interest, the D DNA Discovery audience. So thanks so much, John, for joining me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. And about those titles, yeah, we always look for nice little puns in the titles, filling in the blanks. I mean, you know, <laughs> for sure. There's a little entendre there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, well, thanks so much. And it's available now wherever you watch uh, shows on streaming platforms or cable. Thanks so much, John. All right. Thanks for having me. It's been great to be here. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I am very honored by the fact that you download and that you listen to DNA Discoveries. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing this show. And so thank you for all the support that you give, for the sharing that you do. I know people text out these links and whatnot, and it's very helpful to especially grow this audience and to grow the podcast. Because of you, interviews like this one with John Baim was able to take place. Now, if you have a story of a DNA discovery, I would invite you to reach out to me. You can go to the show website, dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm, and use the contact form on that page, or you can email dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com, and you can send an email kind of giving the cliff notes of your story, and I'll reach out to you. I have several other episodes coming here in the next months, and I look forward to continuing to share these stories with you. Do me a favor, not only can you share this podcast, but if you rate it on Apple Podcasts especially, I would be very grateful. Until next time, I'm Edward Looney, and you've been listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family.